Welcome to the Funding Moments Podcast. Well, I never thought it would be this long before I was saying we're back, but we are back and it's Linnell, Trisha, and Chad back on the Finding Moments podcast. Hey! Since New Year's Eve, since we last talked to everybody, the last post that we posted was that uh, we were going to be taking a pause on socials for a moment. Trisha and I live in Boulder County and our home was lost in the Marshall Fire, something that we never, ever dreamed would be a thing. And it's certainly been a thing. But we did promise that once we were able to gather our thoughts and moments with our family, that we would return. In the meantime, we had asked everybody to please treasure every moment. What we found was moments do matter in a way that we never anticipated when we launched this company. That's for sure. It has been a wild two months. We're okay. We're safe. We have our family. We have our pet. But that's about it. Our whole community is still reeling and trying to begin the process to pick up the pieces. It's, yeah, it's real and it can happen anywhere. We're in the West. It doesn't have to be out West. This fire was so dangerous and the cause is still under investigation. So we can't even begin to speculate what actually went on. It's terrifying. 1,100 homes in less than 24 hours are total losses. They're in complete ash. There are way more that are even damaged, smoke damage, a lot of mitigation going on in the community. And we're excited to share our story, but we're also excited to share the hope because here's the good news. Things are things. This is what we've been telling all of our friends. Things are not what is most important. Family is. And from every walk of life for Trisha and I, Linnell has been right there with us every step of the way. And we had a nice, really good catch up the other night. They've come from all circles from our life, from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, our family. It's been overwhelming, but it's also put everything in perspective for us. It's interesting is when we we started this, I mean, we all, we began this because we kind of had this common belief and like the power of those family moments and what they build for you and what they build for your children. But I think that telling how much that meant to you guys and how important that was when you had to process everything, your whole family, your kids, you all. And I think it really showed like, it doesn't just sound good. It really can pull you through things because you don't worry that much about what you've lost because you have each other. I've said to lots of folks that it's a heck of a way to declutter. Our kids are really doing about as well as can be expected. We were luckier than some. We were home when the fire broke out. We didn't have hardly any time to gather anything. We didn't have a sense of where the fire was, how imminent the danger was. We just knew that we had to go. I took the kids and bailed out in the van with sleeping bags and whatever the the kids happened to grab. I did not supervise that process. Thankfully, they grabbed their most important tech items. (laughs) That's been a saving grace. And a set of pajamas and a backpack. And I think that's about it. Oh, and their pillows. And we left. Chad stayed behind with the dog and grabbed the handful of things that we have 
and that's it. There were so many neighbors who were across town and couldn't get back. There were people who were out of town altogether. It was still the holidays. It was December 30th. So a lot of people were still traveling for the holidays. There's so many avenues. There's so many angles you can look at this kind of a situation. We're okay. The kids are okay for now. We've kind of moved into we have to get reset up mode. Chad likes to call it a reboot. And I think that's a pretty good analogy. Other families are really struggling with other things that we will struggle with. We're just maybe doing it a little out of order. We thought it was going to be staying in a shelter or somebody's house for two, three days before we'd be allowed back in. We had no idea. Very few people had warning. So the emergency system, I think we're safe to say failed out of 45,000 residents between the two towns, only about 4,000 ever got the notice. So that has to be looked at. I think it caught everybody off guard, but in context to back up that day was wrought with winds, hundred mile an hour plus winds. So there were fences that were damaged. There were shingles that were coming off the roofs and the day just felt a little out of sorts to begin with, but we had just gotten home the night before. We had heard that there were downed power lines, which has turned out to not be the case. Uh, We heard that there were some fires in, in some of the open space areas, but we didn't really have the TV on or know a whole lot. So we learned from our friends, from Facebook, from an email that came from the town and got Trisha and the kids out. And then I went back thinking, I'm just going to grab things that we're going to need to get through the next week. So I grabbed our oldest son's trumpet that was uh, his aunt's that she had when she was a kid, thinking that he would have trumpet lessons that week. I grabbed a couple of trophies uh, for my youngest and a scout plaque that the oldest had. Pictures, wedding photos, which is really great because it turns out that picture from when Trish and I were first dating was shoved into the wedding photo album. And this is pre-digital, folks. Anything from 2008 on, we have a lot of that in the cloud, but we were able to grab some things and the computers. So we were able to rebuild fast. But what ended up happening that day, Trish's mom, their friends had moved out to Colorado and they were living out on the eastern side, a little east of the airport. And they were so nice. They just moved here not that long ago and had this nice house and a subdivision out there. And they just took us in. And so when I got out of the house about, I followed Trish and the boys about 20 minutes after, but it took almost two hours to move because the egress was so tight. There was only really one way to go. The fire was blocking the other way. I ended up staying in the uh, parking lot of the local Walmart and just kind of watching, thinking if I could get back in. And it it just dawned on me. I think I was frozen. My dog was there with me and it was about two hours. And I called Trish and I'm like, we're done. I'm going to come out and meet you. So we went and stayed at this nice couple's house and they, everything they had, we had only the clothes on our back and the few things they had a meal. Uh, they made this meal, uh, Trish. It was so crazy. There were like 25 hamburgers and all the, like we couldn't even eat that night, but we sat down and tried to eat a meal. Yeah. They just opened their house. Nobody could eat anything. <laughs> they were so nice, but we were there for about four days but we didn't stop. I think we wore them out. They, they were so tired by the time we were done because we just kept moving. <laughs> Somebody that I work with kind of shook us and said, there are going to be 1,100 families all looking for the same resources in a short amount of time. You need to wake up and get a place to stay. You, I know you want to 
mourn right now. You want to cry right now. You cannot do it. Simultaneously, a friend of ours who is a real estate broker, his firm has a rental agency as well. And they, without even asking, held a place for us to stay. So Trish and I were able to go to that place literally the next day, look at it. We locked it in within three days and it was boom. We got mattresses down, started trying to rebuild so that we could cook again. And we just kind of went into planning mode. We stopped, we've had our crashes, but that's where our friends like picked us up. The text messages were off the charts. The help coming in was off the charts. I have never been on my phone so much as those two or three days after the fire. It was insane. Charging like two or three times a day. That's really unusual for me. I think for all of you who live in areas where either fire or natural disasters are really rare, you are super lucky. However, there are so many parts of the country that do need your help and they're coming more frequently than ever. The first thing that I would say to all of you guys out there who want to help and you don't know what to do, please don't send clothes. Uh, we so appreciate everybody's efforts and we know that they meant so well and wanted to help in the way that they knew how to help. The clothing donations were overwhelming. And unfortunately, a lot of it didn't fit or they sent things that were the wrong gender for our kids. Some of the things were in great condition. Some of the things were in yucky condition. The best way to help a family who is a victim of a natural disaster, whether it's an earthquake or a flood or a tornado or a fire. I mean, you name it, it doesn't really matter what the weather looks like. I would say if you are so inclined, direct monetary support is the best. The insurance process is a bear and it does not move quickly. So there are going to be people who are waiting, who can't even get their insurance claim in who are going to need resources to get stuff that they need to have right away. I really like how you guys have looked at this as a reboot because I feel like it just gives you guys a way to look forward. And I know that everybody's in a different spot. I think that that's important to remember that when collectively it's more noticeable. I think when you have a group of people go through something like this, everybody does process things differently. They grieve in different ways. It's not like you take the steps of grieving and you go through a checklist to get through it. You know, you cycle back sometimes, you know, you move forward, you go back. And I think it's important to remember that it doesn't always look the same for everybody, but it doesn't mean that those people don't need support. Yes, for sure. So Trish and I are event planners by trade. So we went into planning mode and our biggest strength was that we did it together. So there's every step of the way we joke when we meet people because we'll still go into a social setting or a community setting right now. And it's almost overwhelming because everybody comes and wants to talk and see how you're doing. And they still think you're frozen in that day. And Trish and I are not frozen in that day. We're now two months away from that day. And we're just plowing forward because we sat down early on and we literally at at somebody else's kitchen table and we timelined, if we need to be here by here, this is where we go. If we need to be here by here, this is where we go. Number one motivation out of the gate was to stabilize the kids because we realized if we were not able to wrap our boys around us, show them security, Trish and I could not move forward. That was going to be a weight to be able to process what we needed to do next, which Trish and I call the business end of this. We wanted to try to be able to cook and not eat out. We wanted to not have to be so reliant on others so that we could 
be able to move forward. But the first thing we got down for them was their mattresses. This was right after Christmas and our youngest birthday, which was close to Christmas. So they lost all of that. So we were able to go on Amazon and not replace everything, obviously, but they're big ones. They're, they're, they're a couple of big things we got uh, back to them pretty quick. And I think the best advice and Linnell, you helped us with this was we didn't show them the house until after we had moved in and they had some security wrapped back around them. So we intentionally waited. It was a holiday. We had the Monday off and we went and yeah, it was Martin Luther King day. We waited three whole weeks before we took the kids to see the house. And that's where we said goodbye. And that's the only time we've really taken them there because that's all there was to say. It was amazing. And honestly, it was a little bit scary. You see pictures on the news of a house fire or another wildfire someplace else. And you can make out that, oh, it was a house. Here's, you know, a wall. Here's the other wall on this other corner. That's where the fireplace was. Oh, you can kind of sort of make out the kitchen. That is not the situation in the Marshall Fire at all. The homes that were burnt are pits. There's nothing standing, not brickwork, not walls of any kind, nothing. It all collapsed into the basement. And that's true of our entire street. Our, our neighborhood was hit in a really strange manner. There were neighborhoods that were completely flattened. All the homes are gone. Ours was a lot more patchwork. Between our street, the other side of our street, and the street behind it, there are 37 houses. However, there are houses still standing across the street from us and approximately four or five to the north and on both sides of the street, still standing. In fact, they've moved back in, which is brave. And I applaud them because I don't know that I could live on our street with the state that it's in right now. It's crazy and really, really strange, but there's, I mean, there's nothing left, nothing left. When I think it was Chad that sent me those pictures when you guys had, I think aerial footage and I was shocked. Like I, I kind of like what you said, Trisha, my vision, like, well, there's going to be pieces or something, but it is like, there weren't houses there in a way. It looks almost like a war zone. To be honest, there were burnt out vehicles and one of our trees is actually still standing, but it's burnt black all the way up. So it'll for sure come down. Our mailbox was initially still standing, but the base of the post had burnt. And so it eventually fell over. It's just completely nuts. I am looking forward to you guys getting to rebuild though, and kind of reclaim that space and Rebuilding is going to be hard for a lot of people. There's something called underinsurance. And if you're listening to this, check your insurance because everybody was not insured properly to rebuild. So we're fighting through that. That's a whole nother topic for another day, but there are ways to do it. It's going to be a fight. Trish and I are pretty determined to get there. Aside from that, the community came together. The community those whose houses are still standing, but damaged, like they're still in mitigation. We've got a couple of friends that are still living out of a hotel because they had smoke damage so bad and it's being mitigated. Everybody shared in this together. Our town, I think I heard a stat from our town board meeting that it was seven out of every 10 houses were affected. In our our little town, there were basically two towns and then an unincorporated portion. Like 
this fire had no rhyme or reason. It, they called it a tornadic cyclone event where the wind was coming at 100 miles an hour one way and then it was blowing back the other way and the heat generated its own weather event. But in that devastation, we talked to our kids about the story of the Phoenix and rising out of it and the communities come together. They've already formed some subgroups that are all working together. They're doing what the politicians are unable to do. The politicians are working hand in hand with us to try to rebuild. And I think... The beauty that's going to come out of this is an awareness that we're going to be able to raise bigger than this for the next time, because it's not going away, but it did create a level of support for each other that was overwhelming, awe-inspiring, and I think nothing highlights better why you should cherish the moments right now than, than this. We're going to share it. This is, there's reasons that Linnell Trish and I started this company and want to highlight, take advantage of every moment and family is important. And there's motivations there that we'll share some over time, some we can't share. This one we can share. It's an absolutely perfect tie-in to what we're all about. And Finding Moments is coming back with this lens. I hope it does some good for everybody listening. I think it's kind of interesting how, I, and I don't know how much you guys want to go into this, how you kept those children's books. And how that book almost became, that you found almost became kind of representational of the whole cycle of things. I mean, I was, when you guys sent me that picture, I I literally had chills. So the backstory there, our neighbor on the north side was this terrific family that had relocated just before the pandemic hit. And they had two kids that were a little bit different in age from ours. And we didn't get to know them very well at first. It was COVID. Nobody knew anything. They had, I think they moved in in February of 20. So, I mean, it was just beforehand. Over the last year, especially, we got to be a lot closer with them. We did a school activity with them. They were renting that house next door to us and they have since relocated out of state, which still makes me sad. Our neighbor went back the day after on New Year's Eve to see what they could see. They kind of snuck in because the area was still closed. There were still active flames in some places and smoke and ash and mess everywhere. In front of our house, upside down, was the cover to the Velveteen Rabbit. We don't understand how it got there. And it was black completely on the top. It had fallen upside down and she picked it up. And she put it in a shadow box for us, which was absolutely fantastic. And we haven't hung it anywhere. It's in our closet here in the rental, but we will. The fact that it made it intact enough to be legible and wound up in the street. I don't understand how that's possible. Everything else in that section of the house has collapsed inside on itself. But here's this cover of this book. You drop your iPhone, you break it, or something just crashes out. You go to the Genius Bar. They plug it in. They help you reboot. We're kind of rebooting our life right now. So we don't have what we had, just what we left with. We got the cars out. That was ball game. We got the computers out. That was ball game. Our favorite leather recliner. Well, we were able to find it. It's still there. My favorite coffee mug. It just came yesterday. We were still able to get it. Trisha's favorite coffee mug. She was able to get it's it. It's on order. My office had some things. I had photos of my office and Trisha's college coffee mug. Those little things we hang on to, 
Legos, you know, that, that we have to pick and choose. I think you can replace a lot of things depending on how much you want to spend. But we looked at a Doctor Strange house that the the sanctorium that our youngest had, and it was going for like twelve hundred dollars, and we said no. But they they still have a lot of Legos because it's something they enjoy. They had just gotten a PS4 for Christmas from their uncle. And their uncle already had ordered it to replace it. Family like stepped up, friends stepped up. Trish and I, the, the one thing we cannot get is time. That's the thing that this robs us the most of. But everybody pitching in, even in the smallest ways, we drop our oldest off at his friend's house every morning because his school day starts an hour later than his little brother's. So he gets to hang with his friend, walk to school with them still. And the fact that that family does that for us helps us pick up what we can't buy, which is time. And that those acts of kindness have absolutely saved us. And that's the one thing that we can never pay it back, but we can pay it forward. And our full intent is to do so by sharing our stories, our time. Once we're level, we've got to remember this for the next time. For everybody listening out there, if you are a homeowner, if you are a renter, it doesn't have to be in an area that is prone to natural disasters. It could be man-made. It could be a house fire. It could be a gas line explosion. It could be so many things. Please take out renter's insurance. Make sure you have enough. And if you are a homeowner, review your policy. Make sure that you have enough in there to rebuild your house today with the going rates in your area. If you don't have that, then you're going to be in the same boat as almost every single family in the Marshall Fire. There were some folks who lived on our street who lived in their home for 20 years and hadn't touched their insurance since, and we might not be able to keep them as neighbors because of that. Review your insurance. And my other two cents. Make yourself a 15-minute box. If for whatever the reason you discover you have 15 minutes to get out of your house and get somewhere safe, make a box. Put your most important pictures in there. Get stuff scanned to the cloud. Get your vital records in there. Get the things that you know you can't replace. Get your grandma's jewelry, get that picture that you have with your college buddies, get that stuff that you can't get back and keep it in that box. Don't bury it in the garage or the basement or wherever. Make sure you can access it and just yank it out and go. That would have been a big deal for us had we had such a thing. We will now. We didn't lose infrastructure. Uh, The first responders were amazing. They saved Almost all the schools in our district that were in the path, our two kids' schools directly were able to open within, it was less than a week after the fire. Um, It happened to hit during the end of the holiday break, so they were closed at any rate, but they were able to open on time to come back from winter break, which was amazing and a huge part to everybody being able to recover. We didn't lose electricity or gas. There are some potential issues with the water, but it's actually, it's functioning. It's not great, but it's functioning. Other places who are hit by natural disaster who do lose infrastructure are in a whole nother boat because they don't have 
even electricity or power, or sometimes the roads are damaged and they can't get where they need to go. We're doing okay. It's definitely a different perspective. All the debris is still sitting there staring at you and it looks really creepy, but the rest of town is still functioning. So that is a huge leg up for us to start back from. I also loved how uh, right after this happened, you guys had planned on going to the uh, concert with the kids. That was my Christmas gift was tickets to the Lion King here at the Denver Center. And we had tickets for New Year's Eve. And there was a lot of back and forth. They had canceled a ton of performances due to COVID the week prior. And so we were like, well, we may be able to go. We may not be able to go. That issue got resolved. And then we had an issue of our own, but we did, we went. And I think it was really good. And the kids really enjoyed it. They had never been to a production of that scale. It's something near and dear to our hearts. And it was, it was really, it was a nice break to get away from it. And I'm not sorry that we, that we went. We love giving gifts that are experiences. Santa had given our youngest a giraffe feeding at the Denver Zoo. And that was even just a couple of weeks later. And he was very upset that his brother got a Chromebook for Christmas and he got a draft feeding. But at the end of the day, that experience was still there and we got to go do it. And it was great. The draft's name was Dobby. He loved to eat the other draft's food. And we got up on the platform and it was just, it was a good time. It's difficult to want to do those things after something like this. We were gifted tickets to the Jazz Denver Nuggets game, and I'm a huge Utah Jazz fan. And we did that as well. And we realized that was the first time Trish and I had sat. (laughs) And the person that gave them to us just said that you have to take time for you and you need to be able to get away from it. And we've gotten so into the rabbit hole on trying to figure out next that we hadn't stopped. And that was a really healthy line in the sand for us too. Uh, We were able to think of something else as a distraction at that moment. Definitely. Um, but experiences are great. Like even going forward, like we're going to rethink how we even eh, things are things Yeah, we need to accumulate that. I mean, this is a heck of a new year's resolution to lighten the load. It's, it's like, okay, what do we really need? Well, that is what we've dealt with over the last couple of months. And it's amazing to us how much stuff we had that was just in a box that, that do we need that? Like, it's sad that it's gone, but you collect a lot of things over the years. Yeah. No turning back now. Nope. I think there's a lot to be said about the experiences with your children. I remember taking my daughter to see Hamilton and she was obsessed with it. We listened to that soundtrack so much. She knew every single word and I just surprised her with it. We had gone to uh, her spring break. We stayed and did this thing at the Fermi lab, the particle collider. And so I was able to drive her up as a surprise the weekend afterward and she had no idea and then we got into town and into Chicago and I told her and watching just watching her watch that was I just amazing to see your kids face light up and have that experience and it was just almost magical seeing her reaction we would like to go see it also um it is not a choice (laughs) on the tour at the moment but 
That's super cool. I'm originally from Chicago. I have probably been to that theater and Fermilab is right near where I grew up. That's excellent. The Southern Baptist and I think Samaritan's Purse both are, we're learning so much about fires. Both those organizations are set up to do sifting and they have the gear and the equipment and they can do the volunteer base. So we signed up with the Southern Baptist and they sifted and they couldn't really find anything or get in safely. Uh, We got the note that there were precious moments, which were our nativity seat that was sitting on the fire mantle. And Mary was almost intact. Most of it was recognizable. We lost uh, Joseph and baby Jesus, but most of it is there. So I went after picking up our oldest from school to go pick them up. They left them on the porch. And all of a sudden, neighbors started coming out of their house, the houses that were standing, because the one right across the street from us standing, going North of us standing, going south, 37 homes on our block are gone. So, and and it's like you're watching the war zone of burned out cars and the ash and debris where the kids were playing in the street and riding bikes and holding neighborhood barbecues on cul-de-sacs. So this is a, a contrast and vision of what it is now. And the neighbors were coming out trying to be really helpful to us and talking to us. And they were sad. Like one neighbor, they're going day by day. They close the blinds. They sit in the house and try to forget about it. And here comes our oldest who comes out and he's like, hi. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay. The first week, you know, everybody's saying, hey, you lost everything with the fire. And the second week, I'm like, I'm okay. And he's just starting to talk to them. And he's telling them he's in the musical. He hasn't missed school. And it's, you know, kind of cool to be able to rebuild. And he's just being totally uplifting and positive. And they were in tears and so happy. Friended us on Facebook. We hadn't talked to them as much as we wish we did before we left. We told them that we were rebuilding and coming back and they were so happy by that news because what we realized is they're in uncertainty. We're living in the update day to day and in the groups to try to rebuild. And they're just staring at this across the street every day with no certainty on what's coming next. First of all, very proud of our kids for them being able to roll and kids are so damn resilient. It's incredible. You hear that, but we're seeing it in action. Second of all, it's people that matter. And if you can live that positive life, you can spread that like wildfire. And that's what Trish and I have found is- No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah. If you can live that positive life, it will spread and it will do good. And that's one of the things we've come out of this with is we've picked ourselves up. There's a line in a movie. It's cheesy. It's from one of the uh, earlier Batmans. But why do you fall? To learn to pick yourself up. And we're using that with the kids and telling them that. But that's actually spread. It's spreading and it's picking up other neighbors and community. And we're seeing that. And everybody's in a different phase. Can't tell anybody how to feel, understand all of it. But slowly that positive energy is just, it's contagious. I think it was maybe a week after all of this had happened. And um, I think I was on the phone with you, Chad, maybe. And you said, we want to do, continue to do this. We want to do finding moments more than ever. And I think that that's what you guys had felt like. It was almost like we had started this, but then there's a whole nother level of meaning to it in some ways for you all now. 
there are so many things that at the end of the day, are they custom critical to how you live your life? No, but they, it's what they represent that is so heartbreaking. Realizing that all of any picture basically taken before mm, 2005-ish is completely gone. Not just gone and, oh, maybe we can get it back or download it from somewhere. No, it's it was on film with negatives in a scrapbook. It's gone. That's, a, that's hard. If you've got, we might be able to get a few of them back from family and some friends, but a lot of them, the, it's just gone. And it's not so much that you need that picture. It's that it represents a period of time in your life that you want to remember. And, you know, all through high school and college, all of that stuff is just, for us, it's gone. For other people who are younger, that's going to be your baby pictures. So get with your family (laughs) and make a plan and get them digitized so that you've got something. We're lucky in that our kids' baby pictures are mostly digital. So we've got at least something somewhere between everybody. We have more than something. We, we do. We, well, you got, that, digital photos. you got that whole drawer, which was a big, big deal. I think the, the realization that You've only got what you can, you know, directly put your hands on and that's okay. But it also makes you realize, you know, okay, do I really need 55 pairs of shoes or 27 sweaters or because you're going to have to count all these things for the insurance, which oh, is a the whole list. other process. The, the list. Um, do your kids really need how the not the amount of Legos that we owned was embarrassing. And so I don't even, I don't even want to go there. Do you need all that stuff? No, you don't. And putting it back, we've recognized that. Do you need some? Yeah, because it's really helped the kids feel like they have what modicum of control that they can have. It's, it's interesting because when, it, when you talk to people who've gone through things like this and just listening to you, it just underscores it. The, what people walk away with, the things that they miss are the things that represented memories, like you said. And it's so important that we realize that, not just that way, like you said, like the 15-minute box, but also realize that in the moment that those are, that's what's important, not the things that you buy, but like taking the time. And like you said earlier, Chad, you can't, that's the thing you can't get back you know, and to really take that time to create memories. Cause when you go through something like this, that's kind of what you hold on to. You know, uh, I think that it is something that we get really lost in the day-to-day, you know, what, what I have to do for work, what I have to get done, you know, laundry, things like that. And sometimes we lose sight of like what really matters most. It is not the load of laundry that I get in, but that I take this moment and spend it with my kid or with my significant other. For insurance, you have to make a list. You have to itemize everything down to salt that was in your pantry um, to be able to claim personal property. It's It's ridiculous. We were up to like 
2,500 lines and we're like, we're only 65% of the way through, but it's over the value of the property. Can you give now? So I think uh, we're almost through that process, but we got to the Legos with the kids and we're like, we need their help. They, one of them has a near photographic memory. So we really needed their help to remember the list. So we, uh, we turned it into a game. One of the tricks we learned. So parent hack, we offered them 50 cents for every Lego set they could remember, but they had to give us the number, the name, and the number of pieces that was in it. And lo and behold, they, in a day, got a hundred of them. And I'm like, okay, that works. Um, Not showing them the devastation until after they were surrounded in safety. That was a great hack. You know, everyone reacts differently and you have to make sure that you give whoever it is that you know that is affected by such a thing, the space to react in the way that they're going to react. Our youngest got out of the car, looked around for about five minutes and said, said, I'm done and got back in the car. Oldest took it a little differently and was looking as hard as he could to see if he could recognize anything and asked for the Southern Baptists when they came through to sift. Sifting means that they take special screens and go through the ash to see if they can locate anything that you're looking for. It's extremely dangerous, both from a environmental perspective and just from a physical perspective. I was blown away by the amount of metal that was on the ground surrounding the foundation. It was covered in nails and screws and framing brackets and the latch from our gate, but it was all sticking up at strange angles. It was a miracle that nobody had something punched through the bottom of their shoe. It was, it's really not a safe place to hang out. That's for sure. But oldest desperately wanted to see if the sifters could find XYZ item, which of course they didn't, but he wanted to find it. Even the little things like when we were staying and I'm going to give a big shout out to Karen and Denny for taking us in and a thank you. The kids blew up their upstairs area with Legos because they had some saved in tubs and we kind of blew up their house in the three day (laughs) whirlwind and they were, they were so nice. And we realized that we needed to pull out of that quickly because we were still in a COVID scenario and we didn't want to risk it when the kids went back to school. We made the kids do chores. (laughs) They still had to take out the garbage and clean up. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, they need to. That's perfectly normal. They need to do the normal things right now. Advice to anybody is normalcy is relative, but any ounce of it that you can get in a, it could be a personal disaster, a natural disaster, Anything that it can shake your family to the core, what we learned is we tried to go after the kids first and wrap them, and then we worried about us. But then we had great friends like Linnell that reminded us that we had to worry about us. And there's so many friends that we have to thank, and we will do it over time because that is the one thing that is harder to get now than than it used to be. But we will, I think I've told everybody that we will get back to you, maybe not this minute, but we will return every email, every text message, everything that's come, but a general global thank you to all the support. Mm -hmm. And we are going to pay it forward and come back strong. One thing that you had talked about earlier is how you guys by out of necessity went into like, we have to plan and get things done and take action. 
And unfortunately, there's nothing on these situations there. You can't go back and change mm-hmm. what's happened. You have to move forward eventually. And by letting your kids be part of that process, like giving them that less was yes, helpful. And they were the ones definitely to ask, but it probably gave them a way to take action in their own way. And from a perspective that was meaningful to them, the Legos are meaningful to them. So I think that was a really good choice because it made them part of the process of moving forward too. If you like what you hear, please comment, please follow us, please like us. You know where to go on all of it, but please share with your friends. But most of all, grateful for everybody's support. And it's been amazing. And Finding Moments is back and we'll get the shop fired up again soon. Until next time. Thanks, everybody.